Hello, and welcome back to She Inspired, a podcast about sharing the stories of women who are following our inspiration in the hopes of inspiring and guiding other women to do the same. I'm Lorna Morin, and I believe too often we ignore our inner voice, the all-knowing guidance system within each of us who knows the divine purpose for which we are called in this life and who always wants what's best for us. As a result, we can end up in careers or relationships which are unaligned with who we really are and what we really want. This belief is born from my own experience, dismantling the life I spent 20 years creating because I realized the uneasiness I felt in life was the result of not living in alignment professionally, personally, and spiritually. For me, this meant walking away from a 15-year career in the public service to launch an online business and leaving an 18-year relationship to live as a single woman and co-parent to three lovely kids. I believe my intended purpose is to use my powers of connection to light the spark, to share the stories of women seeking and finding alignment in service to the awakening of all women. That is what She Inspired is all about. If you are an artist or someone who loves diving into the intricacies and connection points of the creative process, then this episode is for you. Honestly, it's challenging for me to create a neat and tidy summary for this episode because our conversation covers so much ground. I experienced it as an odyssey of exploration of our inner and outer worlds and the connection between art and mindfulness. Nicole Kagan is a visual artist born in South Africa who emigrated to Canada with her family at the age of seven. Her work is strongly influenced by nature, in large thanks to her mother who may or may not have named the trees in her backyard growing up. A super expressive kid, Nicole recounts how she has always looked for other ways in and a more expansive view on connecting with our inner being and resources. As part of this journey, she has come to see art as a powerful point of connection, which can force presence, and thus her workshops were born. In the moment creates an opening for you to enrich your senses, calm your mind, and appreciate the beauty around you by exploring the naturally existing intersection between mindfulness and creative expression. Nicole's latest series, Meditative Muses, is also intended to calm and inspire through a series of limited edition artist prints, the seeds of which were sown in a beautiful week on Toronto Island, immersed in her creative process. Meditative Muses is a collection of six symbols which act as powerful visual cues to remind us of our inner resources, perfect for these challenging times. You can learn more about this series and about Nicole herself by visiting her website, NicoleKagan.com and follow her on Instagram at NicoleKagan underscore art. I reached Nicole in her home in Toronto. Nicole Kagan, welcome to She Inspired. So pleased to have you here today. Oh, it's so great to be here. I got to say, we had a little exchange back and forth before we began recording this morning and your excitement at being here just got me even more excited I love doing this but it just you know you being as excited as you are (laughs) really lit me up so I just know we're gonna have an awesome conversation 
Well, yeah, you know, when you're just like ready to have a conversation, like just there's so many timing things that have aligned in certain ways and just feels totally right that we'd be chatting about all this stuff today. Oh, okay. I love that. I'm a total believer in divine timing. And I just love that feeling of like everything lining up. So we're definitely going to dig more into that so you can tell me more. Um, But just to begin, uh, we'll just share with our listeners, you are a visual artist And um, in the previous conversations we've had, you have told me that you were like a super expressive kid. And um, because we're really focused on stories and journeys here, uh, I want to actually go back and begin our conversation in your childhood, if we could. Tell us a little bit about uh, your childhood and what it was like growing up for you. Absolutely. Yeah, I was born in Johannesburg, South Africa. And uh, we immigrated to Canada when I was about seven. And so, um, yeah, I just, uh, I, the stories go that I just was a, yeah, very uh, fiery kiddo with lots of, lots of feelings and uh, highly creative from a super young age and, and expressive. Like there's a lot of stories in the family lore about that. <laughs> um, and I'm curious, like you were seven when you came to Canada, so you probably have some clear memories. What, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I have, you know, it's kind of like the kinds of memories that feel like a dream a little bit that have that quality of like a dream slash an old home movie where mm. you sometimes you're not sure if it's an actual literal memory or if it's a combination of a memory plus the story that was told to you about the memory that had kind of interwoven and become this, you know, new thing that's implanted in your brain. Uh, So there's a lot of that kind of thing, but there's definitely a sense of sort of whimsy. And, you know, we had this weeping willow tree in our backyard that I used to love playing under. To this day, weeping willows are one of my favorite trees. Mm. And uh, yeah, a lot of sort of play memories of just being outside and being, you know, making these like make-believe worlds. in the backyard and obviously it's a very complicated country and uh there were a lot of a lot of really reasons related to that that my parents you know wanted to live elsewhere and and move elsewhere um not supporting the politics etc um but yeah I've always had you know very close family and uh my parents have yeah just always been very supportive of my creative expression it just kind of I guess it just always was like, I just always was that way. And it was just like, that's who Nikki is, <laughs> you know? Yeah. There was a lot of that kind of, it was just like part of my identity and, and there was no questioning of it. It just kind of was. Hmm. Well, that, I love how you put that. Do you, thinking back on your childhood, have you always felt like you were an artist? Like, do you recall kind of identifying as such when you were a child? Yes, I would say so. I mean, I would say the word creative probably was was would have been substituted for that more than the sort of identity of, of the artist and all that comes with that. I mean, that came over over time. But yeah, I mean, looking back, I absolutely always have been. That's always how I've perceived the world is through, you know, detail and subtlety and nuance. And like, really, I've always noticed things that other people don't seem to notice or are tuned into. You know, mm. like the way that light hits something or like the um, I remember learning 
color theory, you know, along the way. And there was, you know, the primary colors and then the secondary colors and then the tertiary colors, like in the color wheel. And I remember I, I've never been like a primary color person. Like those colors just like they don't do anything for me. <laughs> I always mm-hmm. have an aversion to them a little bit. You know, of course, like those mixed together make all the other colors. So they're so formative and, and incredibly important. Um, but then the secondary colors, oh, like those start to become a little more interesting to me. But it's not till I get to the tertiary colors, which are like the jewel tones, like the, you know, violets and chartreuse and, um, you know, like tangerine, like the colors that are between the colors that are between the colors. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Those are the ones that for me are so connected to uh, expressing like a much wider range of emotion and depth of but depth in general. And so the color, that's something I've always heard about my work, whether it was when I was doing, you know, whether I'm painting, whether for the many years I did jewelry design, um, even graphic design, even in my home, like the ways that I decorate, you know, my space or the ways I dress. um, It's always, there's like a very specific color palette range sort of aesthetic that tends to just come out in all those different ways. There's sort of a consistency to all of that. And they tend to be, those those tertiary types of colors mm-hmm. yeah that's what you connect I, I love with. the I love the metaphor of that yeah yeah well and you mentioned in our previous conversation that you've got like a multi-faceted creative process and you just kind of talked a little bit about it there and I recall you also saying like nature plays a big role or yeah. a big influence I guess I should say I remember you told me that your your connection to nature is really um instrumental really important for you and that you came to that uh through your mom could you talk a little bit more about that yes absolutely I love talking about this um yeah I would say like as I've gotten older like the realizations of the impact um of you know the people in our life that have impacted us um just that it keeps deepening and I keep discovering new layers of, of what that means for me so you know my mom is someone who um has she just we had these trees in our backyard growing up and you know at certain points something would happen and it would get sick or it would need to be cut down or trimmed and I would observe her like mourning them in a way that it was like almost like a person like she just I didn't have anyone else in my life that sort of connected to nature quite in that way that was something that even from a young age that stood out to me about that it became you know a little bit of a joke like that she would you know I don't know if she literally named our trees, but I kind of associated (laughs) her with like almost having that type of connection with them. And she created, you know, they live in the suburbs. That's kind of where we moved to when we came from South Africa. But she created this like oasis sanctuary in her backyard. And she just has always pointed, she points things out, you know, as a child, when I was a child, like, look at this, look at the way the light is hitting that right now. Or, um, And even not just about nature, but observing things, um, even in other people, like there was this, um, this older man that when I was, uh, you know, younger and learning uh, for my bat mitzvah learning, like the Hebrew part that I would need to be reading, I was studying with this, you know, older man, and he was very grumpy. And a lot of people just kind of wrote him off as this very grumpy person, but she just got such a kick out of his grumpiness. (laughs) She Mm. would say, but look at the 
oh, like my favorite thing is to get a little smile out of the corner of his mouth that like you almost is almost imperceptible. But mm. that, that was like a like a win for her if she could get a little <laughs> smile, you know. And so I feel like I've been always tuned into that level of like I find that now as an adult, that's something I find I talk to my kids about is just noticing those little magical moments in the world. So in that respect, I think she had a big influence. And the other thing around, so trees are a huge theme in my work and there's a lot of meaning that I ascribe to them and continue to sort of find meaning, you know, as I keep working with them in different ways in the imagery. Um, but water's another piece. And so she's also has a huge connection to water, whether it's mm. like baths and swimming and lakes and just being in water. And so that it's another theme that sort of keeps coming back in my own work in lots of ways. So a big influence wow. for sure. Yeah. Well, and I love how you just described like that, your ability to observe things and see things that other people don't. It's almost like, to me, it sounds like it's one of your superpowers, mm -hmm. right? And I guess I just, as I'm listening to you and I love the the stories you just, you know, um, shared about your mother. And like, what I hear is that it's like, you're, you've got a strong ability to be present and like, just appreciate and take in what's going on in the moment. To me, that's like connected to our ability to be observant. Do yes. you, does that resonate with you? It definitely does, but there's a whole other interesting piece that's like a real duality in me, um, which you know, I think some people meet me in certain contexts and, you know, because um, maybe I'm a little more introverted or quieter or that some people can assume that I'm incredibly like calm and grounded all the time, <laughs> you know, some people, but anyone, if you talk to me a little bit and I, you get me excited about something and I start, you know, talking and describing things with like way too many adjectives, because for me, like every, <laughs> every adjective has its own subtle you know nuance to it and if I were to like sometimes my, my husband's in film and he's you know always writing uh you know different kinds of grant applications where there's word limits and so you know if I ask him to edit something of mine he'll get it down to the word count but I feel like you know he cuts down cuts out all of my flowery way too mm. much language but something in that gets lost because for me I might have used three adjectives that to someone else mean, you know, all mean the same thing. But for me, each one is like a slightly different facet of that thing. It's something I run into all the time. It's, it's just like a very funny, quirky thing. But there's something to that. It's like feels connected a little bit to that color wheel of the tertiary colors. It's like those adjectives are all those, you know, the, the numerous colors that you as you go out and colors start to mix together and you mm -hmm. get sort of a new color that there's like a new there's something new there and then those colors mix and then you get a new there's something about that that I'm very interested in and drawn to and just sort of naturally kind of see the world that way mm -hmm. yeah I hear that I hear like the interplay between things yes and and you, you I think well you've you've said to me that well let's talk about I think it's a really great segue into your creative process because I know you're really interested in like the intersections between things and like the tension that's created when you combine different or disparate things, I think is the way you put it to yeah. me. So could we talk a little bit more about that? Like, um, you know, how does that show up in your process and in your work? Yes, absolutely. We can. I'm going to circle back to one thing just because I know my brain, my brain is a little bit like a 
like basically what my browser looks like on a daily basis with like a million <laughs> tabs open <laughs> because um, of all the things I need to circle back to. So just to circle back to what we were talking about before briefly, which was just that 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 duality within me, because mm-hmm. I at a at a when I was in about in my 20s, I was diagnosed with ADHD and like a lot of anxiety that sort of went along with that and just a very oversensitized nervous system which I think Mm. comes with sort of that highly sensitive profile and you know of course that has my my gifts and my superpowers in there but also some of my biggest challenges as well Mm. and so I have these two sides within me which are like it I can be in a very grounded wise kind of settled place um, of stillness and quiet and presence and And then I have another part of me, which is very active and chaotic and messy (laughs) and, and um, just like a, a, like a, like a high thrumming energy, you know? Mm. And so that a lot of that has also come into play in my work in lots of ways. Um, Like I have, you know, this whole art series that I've been doing for many years with trees and like a horizon line and they're sort of at one point the series was called above and below it was very much about you know things that are kind of that we see that are above the surface and then this real like honoring of all that's going on underneath the surface at any given time like the processes that are underway the layers the depth the the stories the scars like that's a big theme and 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 not just honoring it but really seeing the beauty and the value and the richness of all of that in in contrast with what could be seen as sort of a more serene surface you know Mm. impression yeah and that's always felt like a real metaphor for how I experience the world and you know I don't always I'm not always serene on the outside like for sure there's there can be my husband can describe me sometimes as a bit of like a Tasmanian devil energy I can just kind of like come into a room and create a lot of like clutter and things and different (laughs) on surfaces and and so I think a lot of my work and my process, like if I'm pulling it back to that, mm-hmm. has, is very much about uh, like the dance between these two sides. So it's like, how can I create space, like intentional uh, space to let that more vibrant, lively, chaotic, messy side of me uh, you know, be expressed, whether it's like experimenting in the studio with new, new things or taking, you know, new workshops, new ideas, reading, like I'm a, I'm a, I'm like a voracious, I just love, I love learning, like a lifelong learner of all kinds of things. I just love taking in new ideas. And that's when that rich interplay tends to happen. I find like that cross pollination that Mm. happens when you're exposing yourself to lots of different types of ideas. And, and I would say just briefly, I'm proud of myself because I'm like pulling things back to things we talked about earlier, which is not always what my, my brain wants to do. <laughs> it tends to you're on, you're on fire. Tangents. I love all these connections you're making. It's awesome. <laughs> but I would t- tie that back to my dad, actually, because my dad, um, my dad is such a voracious reader. Like he, you know, right. every time we go on a trip, most of his suitcase is books and heavy, like he'll go to the library and come back with like a skyscraper of books. And, Mm. you know, growing up, if I needed to learn something for an essay, you know, chances are like before the internet, my dad, he either like knew about it directly and could comment or he knew where to find information about it. He had definitely heard about it (laughs) or read about it. And so, you know, he's always reading and, you know, 
um, that I think also had a big influence on me. Like I have skyscrapers of books everywhere in my life. <laughs> so, I mean, in a lot of ways, I feel very much like a sponge. I, I take in a lot of information <laughs> all the time, which is, I think, also why I can you know, even I've had like chronic fatigue history. Like I, I think my, my system just takes in a lot of information all the time. And mm. so I think, you know, I, I, I'm very open to ideas and to especially inspiring ideas. And, and I have to be careful of like the shiny object syndrome of, you know, the latest interesting book or the, <laughs> the newest podcast episode of this or a course I want to take because there's this, you know, there's this sensation of wanting to uh, to take in all that information and I have to very consciously make sure that I'm carving out space and time to actually digest these things. Like that was even uh, something that's come up when I've done little bits of therapy. Uh, at one point, um, uh, my therapist at the time mentioned, you know, she's like, it's almost like a buffet that you are, you know, it's like you're going to the buffet and you're filling your plate, you're filling like several plates with all these different ideas and courses and things and even just projects that I want to do. It's not always like that I'm taking in information from out there. Sometimes it's just ideas that I want to act on, but there's just mm -hmm. too, too many of them all at once. It's like the classic ADHD kind of thing. And she yeah. said, you know, we just want to make sure that you're checking in like are you you know quote unquote even hungry or is it just like a habit you know are you if you are hungry then you know what do you actually feel like in this moment and are you making time to actually you know chew the food and, and swallow it and digest it and then like let it integrate before you're putting more things on your plate and it was just such a clever such a clever metaphor and I, I've come back to it many times so again it's just always this dance with me between these extremes of of that and 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 in terms of my process yeah it's definitely making time for that experimentation and as I've gotten older realizing more and more how important that is and how much value comes when I actually do that like I've done a couple mm -hmm. um artist residencies on Toronto Island like self-guided where I've just gone there and brought you know way too many things <laughs> I think the guy said I said once am I am I bringing the most things that anyone's ever brought for a week and he was like possibly it is possible that you might have won that award so um yeah and I just because then I have you know literally I have like like a box of like all these fibers and beautiful materials that I've collected over the years and like rusty bits of metal and then I have you know my paints and I have all my drawing things and my camera and then I have you know little bits that I want to experiment with like um anyways I could talk about this other project after but just and then this sort of magic happens because I'm there for the week and I'm just kind of I'm going for walks I'm watching you know going down to the lake I'm looking at the trees and then I'm just experimenting and I'm kind of taking an idea playing with it and then you know coming back to it later in the afternoon and then suddenly I see something else on my messy table and my eye puts those two things together and there's like a new idea so that's like a big mm -hmm. part of my process but I have to carve out the space for that to happen um, yeah. because there's you know I'm a mom I've got two young kids who are also highly creative and full of feelings and emotions <laughs> and very expressive and you know just it's a pandemic and even when it's yeah. not a pandemic, I just feel like life is in the city. It's so full and, and it's, you, you know, 
it's easy for the time to really pass. Yeah. Well, I, I really hear that, that there's, um, you need to get in a certain energy and carve out a certain space in order for your process to flow. And I hadn't really thought of that, but when you mentioned your kids, you know, like, I guess I'm thinking about how do you create that space and that energetic alignment with your process in the context of what is a very busy, practical life, like it, within the practicalities of daily life. Yeah. Can you talk about how you, you manage that? It's challenging, I would say, yeah. <laughs> to begin with. I mean, I have a studio now um, in Toronto at the Witchwood Barns, and that's been a godsend. Um, I used to have uh, a space in our basement for, for years and then ended up moving over there. Um, and then a couple of years later, I got one of the spaces that has like a outside door. Um, so I can actually have natu natural light, which was a big turning point as well. And so just having a physical space, which is such a luxury and such a privilege, and I'm very grateful for it on a daily basis, even if I can't get there all the time, just knowing that I have it is mm -hmm. just create space in my brain. Like I know I can park something for when I'm at the studio and just that separation. Yeah. But I, even when I was in the basement, like there are ways to find, you know, there's been lots of times where I've had that space at home and I have to figure that out. But it's just definitely the compartmentalizing of things. Like, so just knowing, like, I guess time blocking or it's, it's both like the carving out of time for that, but it's also actually about integrating it, which was another huge turning point. Um, I worked with this amazing artist mentor a couple of years, a few years ago, maybe three or four years ago in the U.S. She's this incredible uh, conceptual artist named Lenka Clayton and we did um, one of the set we I was in the midst of one of my series was kind of like I wanted it to evolve but I wanted to carry through some of the themes and ideas and even aesthetic elements but I just wanted it to feel like shifted and new and just the word evolve comes to mind but I was just a bit stuck on like how to get out of the sort of process I had been working in and so we talked a lot about experimentation and how you know, carving out time for that. And so that was a huge turning point. There were two big things that came out of that experience. One of which was um, we talked about creating, having a life as an artist that where you see your whole life as your artist, your art practice. Mm -hmm. So I used to see it's like, oh, if I can get to the studio this week for this many hours, great, then that's my studio practice. And then there was always this pull, like as though my, as though my art is like an ex, like an extra child. <laughs> yeah. In fact, you know, some teams, I remember people saying, oh, you're going to have a third kid. And I've been like a resounding, like, nope. I, <laughs> I like, no, I literally, I don't have the bandwidth. Like I love my kids so much and I love, you know, our family, but I, my husband is also, you know, in, he's in film and, and, you know, he's an actor writer uh, producer guy and so both of us our work is almost like another child that takes up that amount of space in, yeah. in our minds in our lives in our time and so um that was a big turning point when she we talked about this more holistic approach so that you know when i was with my kids i could be exploring some of the ideas that i work with in my art just by being like a mom to them or yeah. you know if I go for a walk as a break it's like I'm looking at trees I'm observing things I can I can even you know snap some photos that might end up you know being helpful in the studio later or I love doing 
improvised movement. That's a big, also mm. another express expression of mine. And, you know, anytime I guess my body gets to flow in different ways, that just feels like my natural way that of like my, my natural state that I'm always trying to get back to is this feeling of flow. So, you know, if I'm in one of those kinds of sessions, then I'm exploring a lot of the same ideas in the stu- that I am in the studio. There's gesture and there's contrast, you know, and there's shape and there's depth and dimension and like there's, you know, line and there's all these things that I can be thinking about as I'm doing this movement. So in that sense, that that was another way that I kind of, it started to feel less of that tension if I couldn't get to the studio, that I was still being able to, you know, find expression in these other ways and more practical ways, just, you know, the reality of balancing those parts of a life. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're still doing your, you're still doing your art, even when you're not in your studio. I love that you, I love that you spoke to this, this whole notion of integration, because as you're talking, I'm thinking about what a common conversation in our coaching program, you and I, we met through mm-hmm. Catherine Farquharson's um, program is um, we talk about this notion of the new model, right? Like that when we are kind of looking at our circumstances, let's say, for example, you know, I need, you're an artist, I need space for, you need space and time for your art, you need, you've got children, you've got like a household, it's a pandemic, right? Like all these things. And it's like, when we look at them as these kind of segmented or separate things, we only see certain possibilities. But when we can change, bring a new perspective to it, something along the lines of what you've just described, you know, well, hold on, what if, you know, what if I can look at, you know, I'm doing my art continually through all these other pieces of my life versus I'm only, you know, an artist in the studio. I see this in my own life too. It's like before the kids were back in school, I was looking at when I have my kids uh, because I'm now, I'm a co-parent now. So when I'm with my kids, I'm on hundred percent. And before school went back, I was like looking at my days, like, well, the days that I have my kids, like I only have, you know, from 5am to 7am yeah. <laughs> to, to, to do any work that day. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but then I was able to look at like, actually, no, I, I have different ways that I can work um, within the context of my larger day with the kids. I just think it's really um, a really powerful uh, way to, to, to kind of, to, to, to change the way of change the perception that we're yes. bringing to yeah. our circumstances. Right. Definitely. It's um, a definite reframing and a, it's a definite mind that that coaching program you're talking about is, is obviously a mindset program. We know that <laughs> the listeners, might yeah. not. but um, that's been a huge influence as well is, is mindset. I mean, I feel like my, my mom naturally taught us some mindset stuff or at least tried to just by even modeling it. Um, but it's that, yeah, that choice to sort of see it that way. And it's a, it's an abundant scarcity thing as well. Right. So it's like mm. it's sort of seeing the opportunities for expression, um, in a more abundance sort of view versus like there, you know, and I definitely am guilty of the, like, I'm overwhelmed. There's never enough time. I can't fit it all in. Like I definitely can get into that mode, but I've mm-hmm. done enough of this kind of work that I can pretty quickly catch myself. And just turn it around and it's just like oh wow like the whole you know I need to do this I have to do this I should do this turning into like I get to do this you know yes. so, or you know I choose to find a way to do this or you know there's so much power in 
in the mindset. And in fact, so much of what I'm up to these days is is this real interplay of all the things we've talked about already, like the input of, you know, nature and the wisdom of nature and the, the endless metaphor metaphors and like meanings that I can find and impart sort of wisdom from within nature. And then mm-hmm. just the creative, you know, the creative process, like just really feeling like, you know, we all started as these primal little beings that creative expression was just inherent in us you know we picked up the crayons and scribbled on the wall and or on the paper and we didn't judge we didn't there was just this need to like express in some way and then you know that all just starts to shift and change as judgment comes in and all these other societal things come in and so there's definitely been this piece in my work around for myself you know really uh, channeling that side of myself, both for myself, but also feeling like that is a bit of my impact in the world is how can I create experiences for others to connect to that side of themselves? They don't have to be, have, you know, aspirations to be quote unquote, an artist in any, you know, method, but that there's, there's so much value in just having these outlets of creative expression, because it's really about, and like, you know, it's really about the flow of energy and which is what I think creative expression, you know, is when you mm-hmm. bring it down to its essence. And so if you don't have outlets for that to be moving, then, you know, that causes stagnation and, and issues in other ways. And so I think so much that you see happen when people get older, you know, in their forties, fifties, sixties, that you see people like discovering these whole other sides to themselves that they, you know, maybe love to do when they were a kid or, and there's this for some people, for some people, they start to close down as they get older and everything gets tighter and more closed. And yeah. for other people, there's this big like opening that happens again. And so I'm really interested in facilitating that for people or guiding people um, through that as well, which is the workshops, um, you know, when it's not a pandemic, then I teach these, yeah. these creative uh, mindfulness workshops which are not about, you know, creating a piece of art to put on your wall. If, if that happens, that's a total, you know, side bonus, but it's not at all the intention. It's very much about, you know, carving out this time to, to just get messy, to play with really simple materials and realize that, you know, that there's such value in that experimentation and that playing, but also in, you know, literally the tactile element of holding a pen or a or a brush with ink and touching paper like that even a like a pencil touching the paper the tip of the pencil as it touches the paper immediately that's like a it's like a touch point like it's like a it's a point of connection that automatically makes you present you know it's like feeling your feet on the ground or feeling your you know your bum in your chair or <laughs> those those things that we can use as physical cues to drop in that there's this element of the of the pencil touching the paper as it starts to make these these sort of intuitive marks and then if we can connect that to our breath and start to you know make a mark for our in breath and a mark for our out breath or we can you know listen to music and start to express what we hear um, through the music that they're just all these different ways in that's what i'm interested in is like mm-hmm you know, meditation and mindful, like there's, there's a lot of stuff around that and a lot of stuff around that for people who feel like they're not good at it or it's not their thing, you know, but the truth is similarly to how we started off as these, you know, expressive, creative little beings. We also started off in my opinion as inherently mindful. Like we are 
we're taking in the world through our senses as as babies and making sense of it and making connections and so you know we we there's a presence there that um, I think we all start with and so a lot of these things are about like a coming home to ourselves or coming home to parts of ourselves that are already in there and so the workshop the, the workshops so far that I've taught or things that I have ideas for the future are very much about 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 that type of work well I, it's so funny because I was I was I'm so glad you mentioned this because I was about to ask you I'm like I wanted to ask you what are the ways that mindfulness and the work you're you've personally done on mindset is showing up in your work. And I was mm-hmm. thinking about it in the terms of your, like your output, like what you're creating. But what I hear you describing, what you're doing with your workshops is you're actually teaching people how to use art as a tool to facilitate mindfulness. Yeah. And I even say instead, because art is such a loaded word for people, um, it's like creative expression. Because that, that mm. takes away the need for it to look a certain way or have a final product. It's so much right. about the process. And it's like they, the benefit is, comes from the process, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, like I'm exploring that in my own work for myself with like the benefits that come with that for myself. Um, the benefits of, you know, working on my perfectionistic tendencies or, you know, Mm. tendencies to want to control things and, and have things be certain and, and figured out because that's comforting to me, you know, Um, that if I can find these little, like almost mini experiments in my life all the time that challenge those things, that it's, it's good. Like it's so good for us. Um, Yeah. And there's so much there to like, to dive into. Yeah. And then, yeah, my, this new Prince series that I'm just in the midst of releasing now, like is very tied to, everything we've been talking about today. Yeah. Well that, that again, you're, you're just creating like (laughs) you and I are very (laughs) in line. We're very in tune right now. (laughs) Every segue I'm about to move into, you beat me to it. You're it's awesome. I'm just, I'm impressed with my, uh, my focus today. Cause uh, my brain is not always uh, cooperating in that way. You're so focused, Nicole. This is this is awesome. Well, because I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back and ask you about the comment you made at the beginning of our conversation around the timing of this conversation being so great. And I wanted to ask you about this new series you have, um, and if that is if it's the new series that kind of you're thinking of when you when you made that statement. But could you tell us about um, your latest work and what you are putting out there into the world right now? Yeah, I'm just laughing as you're talking because. I'm imagining this podcast chat today almost as this tapestry where there's all these things that are getting woven in, but they're all like coming full circle. And (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I'm just laughing. Sometimes it works out that way. Other times it's like a big, it's like a sewing project where you turn it over and there's a tangled mess underneath. That's that's often how I feel in the world is that messy part underneath. Um, But I, but I love that. And that's actually another good segue into the prints because so yeah, the prince. Remember when I, earlier when I was talking about working with that mentor and how there were two big, huge takeaways that I got from that work with her. One of which was that seeing my practice as this much more holistic, um, integrative part of my life. Um, but the other mm-hmm. was this carving out of time to experiment. And so um, we created this. I came up with all these ideas of things I wanted to experiment with. And then I just used her for the accountability (laughs) and the structure um, to actually stick to it. Um, So part of, I used, like, I think I've always been drawn to mixed media 
in general. So I've always been far inter more interested in the piece of art that has, you know, a little bit of like fiber hanging off of it or like photography worked into it in some interesting way or just collaged elements like a bit of 2D, a bit of 3D, a bit of layers or I don't know, things that come as we've talked about, things that combine disparate elements that come together for me is just so exciting. Like I literally get a mm. thrill in my in my body from it. And so um, I, but what comes with that, so like years ago, I just would own, I would see that as incredibly inspiring and energizing. And so, you know, I would learn this technique, I'd have this material, whether it was working in wax with encaustic painting or, you know, acrylic or oils or uh, all kinds of things, stained glass, like fiber work. But over the years, what started happening is that literally my studio is so full of materials now that when I go to work, it's so overwhelming. It's like the it's like the tyranny of choice, <laughs> you know, it's the it's it's almost paralyzing. It can be literally paralyzing sometimes. Sometimes I'm just so stuck on a piece because I have, you know, these all these elements that I could bring in and none of them are, some of them are obvious choices of like, oh, that feels right there and that doesn't feel right there. But sometimes it's like this could go there or there or there and none of them is more right than the other. They're just different choices, mm -hmm. you know? And so just really being interested in also the metaphors and all of this constantly, there's so much wisdom and stuff to dig into. And so- yeah the amount of choice started to actually become suffocating. And so part of that week with working with that mentor was about simplifying things and creating limitations and the kind of limitations that end up being incredibly liberating, <laughs> which, you know, hmm. feels like years ago, I would be like, oh, that's so restrictive to have these limitations. But I, I, I learned along the way that that's actually, like, that's one of the biggest wisdoms. It's just, you know, in this case, I think the first week it was like, I'm only allowed, I'm only letting myself work with black ink. Like, so no color. It's just like, take away all the choice of the endless options of color, the infinite, you know, possibilities of color. So it's like black, mm -hmm. which allows me to get a scale of gray, you know, depending on how much water I add to the ink from all the way to black to light and then everything in between, that's enough to work with. And then there's the preciousness of materials, sometimes expensive paper or, you know, beautiful, beautiful materials can be paralyzing because you just have that fear of the white page. And what if you ruin this, you know, $30 piece of watercolor paper <laughs> yeah. and then that can stop you. So it was like dollar store computer paper and, you know, mm. it, like school grade ink and, you know, brought any tools that I could either that I had already around me or that I could make myself. So I made all these nature brushes with like sticks and bits of plant material that I would ma like masking tape onto the end of a stick. Again, just to almost release the, the, the ways in which I always make marks. So just to, to disrupt my usual patterns of working. And then it was just those three elements. And for a week, I had to just, just make like as many as I can, as many sheets as I can, like just marks, just intuitive marks. And, um, and it was one of my favorite creative weeks of my life. <laughs> mm. Wow. Yeah, because it was just and part of the other thing was, yeah, because of the speed I was working, it was like the generative element also took away the overthinking. And the preciousness, yeah. it was just like, go, like marks and marks and marks. So I made pages and pages of the stuff and it was so fun <laughs> and just felt so good. 
but by the end of the week I started getting tired and sitting down and kind of getting a bit like oh that was you know exhausting and I was playing music in the background and I just started to kind of make marks I guess in you know in sync with the music that I was playing much more slowly and then this other feeling just came over me which was just this incredibly like relaxing calming almost like a nervous system regulating feeling um of of just the tactile element of working with you know ink or pencil or pen or whatever on on paper just making like these simple marks and these flowing marks or just staccato kind of expressive marks in response to the music and then it and I, I posted a little video of it and it was like the most engagement I had gotten on a post in ages and I just was like, oh, that's something, there's something in there. People are getting almost mm -hmm. an experience of watching that. They're getting a bit of a, the feeling of it by just watching it. And that's a little bit of where the workshop was born from that idea. Hmm. And then the prints were kind of part of that as well, which was just really started working much more with fluid materials after that experimentation. So with watercolor and fountain pen inks on paper with a lot more white space than the other type of painting I do, which is a lot more layered and complex visually. I was, again, I just was craving, literally in all areas of my life, I was craving what the metaphor of white space, you know, mm -hmm. like just space with nothing, with no doing, with, you know, just being, with just space to rest and um, to be a contrast to the other forms in this. And so, that's where this much more minimalist uh, distilled kind of aesthetic of the prints, I think, start was born. And yeah, so this, yeah, oh, sorry, no, go ahead. Nicole, I mean sorry. To you. So the seeds, that's no, okay. So the seeds for this new series were, were sown in this, in this week that you just described. Yes. I mean, I, though, you know, I can trace back the themes like way back to when I was a kid, like there's thing there's themes that have been, or even in university, the themes I was working with in my art, like they've all, even in the paintings, like in my mixed media paintings, a lot of the themes have still continued, but these prints kind of represent uh, like a just like a really distilled version of a lot of those ideas, like both visually yeah. distilled, but also just even conceptually. And they're just Fair. the power of, um, yeah, the power of symbols. And I, and I guess, um, I don't know, we're probably going to run out of time soon, but, I, but there's two other things if we have time I'd love to touch on. Yeah, go ahead. So one of which is, so I have a graphic design background as well. And I, um, I wasn't a great graphic designer. It was just too perfect and too geometric, too, you know, mathematical. Like it just wasn't my strength of just, you know, making these like perfect digital files and to be, you know, prepped for print for printing for clients like that part I did not like where editorial stuff was not my thing. But the part mm -hmm. I loved the most was working one on one with someone to create a logo for them. And mm. it was that process of like, tell me who you are. What does your company mean? You know, what's like, tell me what we're trying to express here and communicate and then coming up with like a symbol that represented that for them. Ooh, and that was I'm that was my bad. favorite part of it. And, you know, I, I ended up not really pursuing that direction so much but it it absolutely influences my work still um, I've always had a sense of you know design and color and form and things like that and so that's one piece that for sure has influenced the prints and then 
and then uh, you know I guess another element is just all this mindset type work I've done over the years or even just earlier this big turning point I had when I was younger around this realization that there's no inherent meaning (laughs) to things so Mm -hmm. that like as humans we put meaning onto everything and you know if we put that meaning there that means we can decide what meaning we put there and so for many years you know um I tended to put negative meaning onto things or to look at, you know, see things in a more scarcity kind of mindset. And so a lot of that work of shifting that and realizing that I have choice to flip that into, you know, its opposite that also has informed these, these prints. And so the idea that um, I'm just trying to think there was one more thing I want to say. Oh, sorry. The last thing is just that along with the, sort of ADHD history and the highly sensitive kind of profile is I have a real uh, I have like a working memory deficit that you know again was like a label you know diagnosed with at a certain point but it's it's important because basically I one of the ways it manifests is I'm incredibly forgetful like I, I visual I need to visually see things for me to remember them otherwise they're it's as though they never existed and so for years I've been I have all these little tricks, like I put these little post-it notes in places and I put little reminders everywhere. I visually need to see them, like hence all the tabs open on my browser mm-hmm. <laughs> or on my desktop. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the prints became this thing really for myself at first, which was like, I want to take some of these ideas I'm working with in mindfulness and mindset. And, you know, they they became these these visual symbols. And then this beautiful idea of like, oh, what if that is in someone's space and it's both art? Like it's different from a post-it note that just says that word, you know, scribbled on it versus this symbol where you get the power of symbols to kind of, as I talk about on my website, like bypass the, the conscious thinking mind and go straight into the subconscious and impact us and on a different level that you know you get this that symbol element of the image but you also have the it's just working on so many different layers right yeah you nicole you're like my neurons are firing i'm in like total overload the your ability to draw connections between things is like staggering to me (laughs) i i and i mean that in the most complimentary way like i just i can totally i'm trying to like put myself in your mind briefly and just it's to busy. Kind of, it's a I busy, busy have... place in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can totally appreciate what you're saying about just like the sensory overload. And we already live in a time where there's sensory oh. overload, right? For, I would argue everyone and people like you yeah. who have that are even more heightened, that heightened level of sensitivity and awareness. It must just be like, yeah. yeah, totally. Well, I, I so appreciate you pulling back the curtain and just really giving us this really deep dive insight into your creative process. I, it has been fascinating for me. And I mean that so truly. And I think anyone who listens to this is just, wow, as I said, you're just, your ability to draw connections um, is really phenomenal. And I want to make sure people who are listening and feel as lit up by, you know, you and our conversation as I do and want to see your work. I want to make sure that they know where to find you. So what's the best way for people to connect with you and explore uh, your work? Okay. Well, yeah. So there's my website, which is just my name. So NicoleKagan.com, N-I-C-O-L-E, 
K-A-G-A-N.com. And then there's a shop link and you can view, there's like a silk scarf um, piece that I just, uh, that's part of a, a show that I'm in. That's um, again, another version of this idea of a visual cue that reminds us of, of, of an idea that we want to be, you know, bringing into our life or thinking about in our day, but it's like a wearable kind of experience or something you could put mm. on your wall. And then there's the new print series, which are, which is called meditative muses. And there's the idea that each of these images that I've, uh, release so far is a muse you know to contemplate so to have in your space um, and then to sort of catch your eye you know as you walk by or wherever you put it that you can for that moment pause and you know stand in front of it and just contemplate what that is for yourself and how it relates to your day that day and then kind of move on with your day and so there's you know six muses that I've released so far. There's you know um, sent one called centered and one called um, flow and one called interconnection, which is very much of what we talked about today of all these disparate ideas and things that come to, you know that connect and intersect in all kinds of ways and the generative element of that, as well as that one's very much about community and connection and how you know that we're all sort of separate and yet part of this big beautiful whole. Um, and on that note, there's another one called wholeness, which is, you know, each one has its own, its own thing. You can read about them on the website and I'll be, you know, doing more information about them coming up. I might do a little blog series about them and mm. those are under the shop under prints. And then there's my paintings shop, which is also just for the first time I have some paintings that are available for purchase online. So that's all under the shop under my website. And then Instagram is a great way to follow me and I show a lot of behind the scenes of what I'm working on and just things I'm experimenting on or being inspired by. And that's just Nicole Kagan underscore art. Um, and that's on Instagram and yeah. Amazing. Cool. Uh, thank you so much, Nicole. This has been such a pleasure. This was this, our conversation did not disappoint. <laughs> I knew it wouldn't. <laughs> well, I told you it's a good time. I feel like I've been in, I was just saying to a friend, I feel like I've been in like winter for so long where like I've been developing projects, so many projects for so long now. And it's now I'm in like, what is it? Like summer and fall. There's like, things are just blooming. Mm. I have so much that's available, you know, to share and to for people to purchase or experience. And just even other projects that we didn't even talk about today that are in the works. So yeah. It's a, just it. a perfect timing it. for me to just share about it, you know, in this depth. This is actually the first opportunity I've ever had to do that in this way. So thank you so much. Oh. My first podcast. Woohoo! Well, I'm honored to have been your first podcast. <laughs> and I know I won't be your last. I know I won't be your last. You speak so eloquently about your work and your process and the connection between your work and mindfulness. It's really, really beautiful to listen to. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you so much. Well, I don't know about you, but I see what Nicole is offering through her art and her workshops as the perfect antidote for this time when conditions around us, conditions which we can't control, can seem so powerful in our experience. I really appreciate Nicole and how well she articulates the connection between art and mindfulness. It was very pow powerful for me and I hope you felt the same. 
And that was another episode of She Inspired. I really appreciate all my listeners out there. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for making space in your day to listen to these incredible women share their stories. I hope that like me, you find it is time well spent. And I will be back shortly with another episode of She Inspired.